is it with people from Chicago that they're so happy to have been born there? Chicago, when does it happen? So many people who can't wait to tell me they're from Chicago. You wouldn't understand. The Bears Nation Podcast is powered by ONTAP Sports Network. I've been here nine months. Things have gone very quickly. We've accomplished a lot, but I'm extremely impatient. It is a beautiful day in Chicago. I'm competitive. I want to win, but I also want to do it with integrity and style and grace and class and humility. We'll call Chicago and notify them of the situation. This is a destination. People want to come to Chicago. Hello, Chicago. And as I sit here today, unequivocally, I believe that we have the right set of individuals. And my expectations going into this season are extremely high, that we need to win the NFC North. See you in the Super Bowl. It's the Bears Nation Podcast with Kevin Lapka and Jay Kassan. Both men of Chicago. It's Bears Nation, baby. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Let's go. Yes, sir. We are here. Bears Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lapka. Loaded show for you guys today. We'll be doing that with not Jay Kassan, but the man himself, Clay Harbor, nine-year NFL veteran, analyst for the 33rd team, a rising star, already a star in the sports media industry. I'm fortunate enough to have worked with Clay on a TV show and at 670 to score. He is the absolute man. He dodges me on the basketball court, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Clay, my man, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on, man. That uh, that intro got me fired up a little bit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to strap the pads back on. Oh, boy. Hey, he said, beautiful day in Chicago. Clay, the sun is shining. Brighter times ahead for the Bears, maybe? I don't know, man. It feels good right now. And you're you're always – I love your enthusiasm for the Bears and for, for everything you got going on. And, and obviously, QB1. I'm a QB1 guy too, man. So, you know, I'm going to keep it going. I think they're obviously on a trajectory with this draft, with this free agency. You got a lot of money to spend that we could see this team in the playoffs this year. I, that, that, that's what I'm thinking as well. We will talk QB1 today. We will obviously – you can't go a Bears podcast from now until April 26th without talking about QB1. It would be negligent and stupid. So we will talk about it, but it won't dominate the entire show. We do have the scouting combine coming up next week. Clay, that's something you participate in. Uh, did did you, you participate in the combine, I assume, correct? Yeah, Kevin, check my stats, bro. When you're talking oh, about the God. basketball court, Wait, I, had I have 40, seen these 40 inch vertical, 10 5 broad jump, 31 reps at 225. You can't even lift 225. I did it 31 times. Okay, we're talking a 4 5 40. We're talking a freak athlete here. When you're talking about seeing me on the basketball court, you don't know. This is all at 6'3, 250 pounds, I might add. A 40 inch vertical, the fourth highest tight end NFL combine vertical. In NFL history, fifth most reps for a tight end in NFL history. We're talking about history here in the NFL at my position, obviously. So come on, Kevin. I don't think you're ready, bro. Bro, I, I, I'll, I'll beat you in a 40-yard. I'll, I'll get you on that. But I ain't, I ain't repping 31 and jumping 40, bro. That is outrageous. So you're still top five. You're, those records still hold? It's a little bit further down, but at the time, that's what I was. I think I'm fifth in uh, vertical jump now. My God. Like that is bench. Man, so yeah, you, man, that is that is freaky stuff from Clay Harbor there. And that's why he's the absolute man. If you don't follow him, go ahead and follow him and you'll see why he can do these things. He's got a fitness page and everything. Super awesome stuff. But let's start here with the combine. 
Um, so it's not the biggest deal in the world, but Caleb Williams is supposed to participate. He was invited last week. He's supposed to be there. Marvin Harrison Jr. is supposed to participate. Brock Bowers, the guy you've talked about a lot. I feel like the combine kind of gets overlooked at times, but then that week comes around and you see some of these stats and you maybe see the height on Caleb Williams, the height and the weight, and you see certain projectables. And whether you like it or not, it changes things for teams come the draft process. If you remember, the one thing that stands out to me as far as like the biggest combine impact was years ago, John Ross came out of nowhere. He ran the fastest 40 yard dash time like ever got drafted in the top 10 to the Bengals survived like three years in the league. So these numbers and these things we see in the combine do matter, but clay, I guess I'll ask you this. Like what needs, to, like, is there anything bad or good that Caleb Williams or any other prospects could do that could make the bears maybe second guess their plan going into the combine or after the combine, because they've talked about, or at least it's been reported by Albert Breer that they want to have their plan for what they want to do with quarterback and the future of the franchise by combine time. So the question I'll have is what has to happen? Like if Marvin Harrison Jr. runs like one of the faster 40 yard dash times, breaks a record for vertical jump, does all these different things. Does that change anything? Does the height that comes in for Caleb Williams change anything? What has to happen at the combine for the Bears to potentially change their plan at the position? I don't think at the top of the draft did anything. Nothing's going to change. You, you watch the film. You watch the tape. 90% of what you see, what you go off of is on the tape, maybe even more, obviously. Here's the important part of the combine for a guy like Caleb Williams, Drake May, and uh, Jaden Daniels. And even if you want to throw in, uh, you know, some of the other quarterbacks, I don't know. Uh, Spencer Bo Rattler, Nicks, maybe. Spencer Rattler, whatever. So it's the it's the interviews, right? When you get to sit down face-to-face, -face, across from your offensive coordinator, across from your head coach, across from your GM, for those quarterbacks, that's what's going to matter. Can they see you as a guy they have to work with every day? Can they see you as a guy that they trust to be the franchise quarterback, the face of the organization? When they sit down, they have a glass of water, they break some bread with you in that meeting room, they spend an hour with you alone. So that's going to be the most important part for those top quarterbacks, right? And obviously, I don't know if they're throwing, if they're waiting to their pro day. That's important, too. But the film is more important. You're throwing routes on air. Everybody's going to look good. I know my college, my college quarterback could have went out there and, oh, my God, this guy had a heck of a pro day. It doesn't matter when you're running routes on air, how you sling the ball. matters is coverage, timing, how you run the offense. You know, how are you liking the huddle? How are you liking the building? And that's what they're going to try to get. You're going to try to pick through, through their brain. Can this guy – really understand an NFL offense. Can he run this offense? Is he mature? Is he a guy that's going to put in the work? So I don't care how good you are. If you're not willing to work, you're not going to be special. You're not going to be a franchise quarterback. We want to give you all this money and put our face mm -hmm. of our franchise on. So that's the most important part up top. And then when you go back, I know they got the ninth pick. Some things could change there. If Brock Bauer, say, runs a 4-4 or something like that, you know, he might be a guy that if he's there, he might you know, might, might not have a need at tight end. He's a guy you could take, say, hey, we could use this guy in the slot. We could play him outside. We could play him inside. If a guy like Leitu Latu runs faster than we think, you know, I think he's a great technician. Don't think he's going to run well. But if he pulls off a 4-6, you know, 37-inch vertical, wow, this guy's faster and more explosive than he thought. He could really do some damage opposite of Montez Sweat. You know, so stuff like that. If you see guys – improve on what you kind of had them pegged at then you start to see things change hopefully Romo Dunze you know I don't think he's going to be there but if he runs slower if he runs a four or five he might drop to nine but you got all this tape on him showing him getting open him he plays fast 
but he ran a 4-5, so now he drops. Malik Late Neighbors, maybe he runs a, a low 4-4 or a high 4-4, a low 4-5, and he drops to 9. So now you have these opportunities. Teams say, no, he's a little bit slow, but you have the tape. So 9 and then second round, third round, whatever you get for fields in that trade, which we're assuming is going to happen. All the reporting is saying that it could be done as early as the combine. I know you're sad about that. Trust me, I'm a QB1 guy too. But I'm excited for what's to come with Caleb. But in those scenarios, things in the combine can change. Yeah, and that's why I find it so interesting that they want to have their plan set by the combine. And I know they did that last year pretty much, right? Because they knew they were going to trade the pick. That's different. You weren't having conversations with prospects at the combine. But this year... Like if you, we know Ryan Poles and the Bears front office at this moment and the coaching staff are really keen on character, right? Like that's one of their biggest things. That's the reason they passed on Jalen Carter and took Darnell Wright. That's the reason they've made some of the acquisitions they've made in free agency uh, in the past couple of years and let some people go. They're huge on character. So if they say they have their plan, say they are, their, their plan by the combine is to take Caleb Williams, which it appears that that might be the case. They do what's the mat? Like it, it, you can only meet for like an hour at the combine, right? It, it's not expensive yeah. at all. It's just an hour. It's like an hour, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how much they learn in an hour, but say they meet an hour and they just get rubbed the wrong way. Like, is there any chance that they meet with him and they don't get the right vibe and they change their plan? Or if is it if if that's their plan going into the meeting, that has to stay their plan, or could it change based on anything that they discuss with him or any other prospect? Here's what you're doing. You're getting, you're getting you know, that first meeting, that first face-to-face, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're obviously you're going to meet with maybe J.J. McCarthy, like we said. Maybe you're meeting with you know some of these other quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr., even guys lower down the line. You meet with all of them, right? Obviously, Drake May and, and obviously Jaden Daniels. So you're, you're saying, okay, which guys – you might have them draw up some plays. You might have them – you know, what the Bears do, they, they kind of just shoot the, the crap with them, right? You're just, hey, like, this is how we run things. They try to get to know him as a person. If you're not sure on a guy, then you're going to fly him in for a, for a visit, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to say, hey, we're going to bring you out to Chicago, and you bring him for a, for a visit. That's more extensive. You get a couple days there on these visits that you can really hang with these guys. You bring them in the building, meet everybody. Now you meet the staff. You meet the equipment staff. You meet the training staff, and then you get a full comprehensive. The scouts get a chance to talk to them. Hey. Is this the guy we're we're turning the ball over to? This is going to be our guy. So you're going to go back and you're going to have another chance to meet with them again in the pre-draft visits. I did 10 pre-draft visits. Most guys only do like three or four. I did a ton. This is a small school guy. Had this big combine. Like I said, they go back and watch my East-West Shrine game, dominating guys, Texas First Nation, dominating guys. And they watch my tape. And they're like, wow, this guy, I'm an FCS guy, right? Small school dude. So then they go back and we're okay, we've got to see what this guy's about. So I had a ton of pre-draft visits, but on the opposite end of that, when you're giving these guys the big money, you know, I'm a late for fourth rounder when I got picked, mm-hmm. when you're doing the first rounders, that's franchise altering. You miss on a first rounder, you're setting your franchise back, you know, so you are definitely diving in to, to this guy and seeing if he is the one that you really want in your building. So you have another chance in the pre-draft visits, and then you can obviously have a couple of calls. I had calls from guys and you, you talk to them there and, uh, those are only like five, 10 minute calls where you talk to the guy and it's basically just, you know, logistically, you, you know, where would you be, where would you be coming from? Like, what are you doing when you get here? And then you kind of start figuring out the more things about these players, but yeah, there'll be a second chance for them to, uh, to talk to Caleb. Yeah. And, and we know there'll be a second chance and, and all these different things, which is why I just, I, I, I can't believe 
in that aspect then that they would have this figured out by the combine. To me, that doesn't make sense. I, I, I don't really believe all that reporting that's coming out because of, I believe Ryan Poles is a diligent general, general manager. We know Kevin Warren's thoughts on Justin Fields. We believe that he's diligent as well. And we don't know how involved he is on these sort of conversations and meetings in the first place, but it would appear to me to be negligent to already approach all of those meetings. Bless you. Uh, with this, premeditated idea of what you're going to do with the future of the franchise. So as it's thorough as they are, it's I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, so uh, do you agree? Like, when do you think this goes down? If, if a trade were to go out, down. Bro. I'm getting on Twitter right now. I don't even know why I didn't think about that. So you're telling me before you meet with this guy and talk to him, you're going to hand over your number one quarterback that you know is a guy people love in the locker room. You know is a guy that's going to go to work, go to bat, go to work every day. And you're going to hand him over before you even meet with this guy? You're going to trade him away? And then you're stuck before the combine? That's a heck of a point. No, you got to wait to meet with this guy first. I know you want to speed this up, but you want to get a pre-draft visit in. Bring him in there. Make sure this is the guy that you want in. Make sure that this is a guy you can you can see in your locker room that's not going to be a cancer. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying he will be a cancer. I'm saying make sure you got to do your due, due diligence before – <laughs> you trade away QB1, your number one quarterback. That's a, I don't know why I didn't think about that, Kevin, but appreciate it, man. I'm sure this one's going to get a lot of hits when I post it on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer. Like, And we know this about, like, maybe it's different if it's, if, it, if it's a different team. But like I said, everything about the character aspect and how much they value that, like, those things are real. So all of these reports, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to trade Justin by the combine and trade all these things by the combine. Like, like first of all, <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, but the Bears have done a really good job, and, and they even did this under Ryan Pace. So it must just be like an organizational thing. They do a very good job of keeping things secretive. They they do not disclose anything. And, of course, things get out when you're the third biggest market in the NFL, right? Maybe even second biggest market because both teams in LA, uh, in LA aren't that popular. So you're as big and historic a franchise as the Chicago Bears. Things are going to get out, but they do a pretty damn good job of keeping things under the rug. Like, no one expected – the Bears to move up for Justin Fields, you know, a couple years ago in 2021. No one expected them to really trade down to Carolina last year. Like that kind of came out of nowhere. They thought a trade would happen, but not to Carolina. They keep things quiet. And they did a great job yesterday when the coaches spoke of keeping things quiet, of not disclosing anything. I'm sure Bears PR deserves a medal after that because Shane Waldron told you nothing. Matt Eberflus told you nothing as much as the reporters wanted to get out of them. So that plays into this, right? We don't know. Like, everyone just assumes that they're going to take Caleb, which is fair to assume, right? I mean, it, it could be the logical choice, all the, you know, great prospect, all these different things. But there's nothing from them that indicates that this is going to happen now that this is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But for some reason, it seems like a majority of people in the fan base believe that a trade for Justin or trade trading Justin Fields away is imminent because he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Like, yeah. come on, let's, let's be smarter here. The thing you're seeing, though, is guys like Albert Breer and Mike Tannenbaum. And these are guys that are connected. you got to realize these guys have connections. Mm -hmm. There are certain media persons that you're like, OK, this guy doesn't know anything. Right. This like some of those accounts out there. I don't whatever they're just assuming but when i start seeing tannenbaum when i start seeing albert breer saying this is imminent to me it's imminent like these guys know their stuff they're not going to throw anything out there adam schefter those guys have connects in teams you obviously don't know who they have their sources though so when they start saying stuff it's legit but here's something that could be real they could be sure they're moving on from fields 
and just not know which quarterback they're taking between Jaden Daniels, Drake right. May, and Caleb Williams. So right. if they say, okay, we're, we got to get a new quarterback. We're resetting the quarterback clock. It's not Fields. Love the guy, but we can improve with these three players, whichever one we like more. That's who we're taking. So that's the only thing I could see, like, why they're going to do that before you even meet with the guy. Yeah, but do you think – I mean, I mean, even that, like, you're that sure on the guys beyond Caleb to just limit it to them? To You know, if, if you really think – like, if you've done your evaluation, you think that Fields – or you think that Williams, May, and Daniels are better than Justin, then, okay, you can trade them now. But, like, that seems like a bit of a stretch. Again, with everything – we know about Justin and how much the players like him and the leadership aspect and the things you don't have to worry about from an intangible, you know, point. And you brought in a, an offensive coordinator who's worked well with a quarterback who struggled in his past and tailored an offense to his strengths and done good things. It would, it, it still feels negligent that, you know, Brad Biggs quoted as there is no internal debate in his opinion. To me, if there's no debate at all, that to me is negligent. And that might be because of, my and you know your opinion on fields we both think that they can build a good team with him and he can be a good quarterback in this league and if you're taking fields and keeping fields or not yeah brad Biggs, in his opinion and that's one of the most connected guys he said on the score he said he He said yeah he he in his opinion that that that, it was more of an opinion-based sourcing than it was reporting based sourcing so but but even then if that's the vibe he's getting that seems wrong, or it seems like somewhat of a smokescreen, and they're doing what I said and not revealing anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting if, if you're not even debating it, because here's the thing. You're not just comparing Justin to these guys, to, to right. these quarterbacks, right? In my opinion, you got to start looking at it like this. I'm comparing them to Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm comparing them to Joe Alt. I'm comparing them to anybody else, these draft picks you can get, and a next year's first and maybe two next year's first. So what you got to realize it's Justin and Marvin Harrison Jr. together. If that, if you trade down to like three or four and assuming that he's the guy, you know, you go to the combine, we've watched the film. We see how excellent he is at running routes. Reminds me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. the way he goes about his game, hardworking guy. You can tell the way he talks that he's a guy that is all football. No worries there. Obviously you could bring him in, but it's not just Caleb versus Justin. And that's what I want fans and in the media persons to see. We're not saying, oh, it's Caleb, it's Justin. It's Justin plus Marvin. Who do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is? If Marvin Harrison Jr. turns out to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver, Caleb Williams turns out to be Kyler Murray, I argue that you have DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr., two number ones, you get another number one next year. If next year you're in the same position, you'll have another one next year because you're going to get two to three firsts for this pick if you mm-hmm. trade down and then maybe another player. And then in the second round, so you got to weigh the whole, you got to look at the broad aspect for the future of all the picks you could get. And it's not just Caleb versus Justin. It's everyone else you can get plus Justin versus Caleb or Drake May. I've been saying that for weeks and months now. And it seems to me like the argument against that for people who want the Bears to take Caleb Williams is, all right, well, watch the Super Bowl. You have the one team that has taken the route of building up a roster with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk, and great playmakers, and a great offensive line, and Christian McCaffrey, and a great defense, right? And it wasn't enough because they believe they have a quarterback who wasn't good enough. And on the Whoa, other side, the well, defense. I agree. Holmes wasn't the Patrick Mahomes that we exactly. used to see. The defense, in my opinion, won the championship. Yep. And if you look at the, the game, the 49ers could easily have won. 
Don't just look at the outcome and say there was no way the 49ers. That was a coin flip. You're telling me if the offensive line doesn't pick up that blitz, Chris Jones gets turned loose, and he hits a touchdown, 49ers win. A ball comes down, bounces off the leg of the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey fumbles. This game wasn't a guaranteed victory because of Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Patrick Mahomes made big plays when it counted. But Brock Purdy easily did enough because of his surrounding team to win that game. You can't yeah. tell me that it was just this blowout because Mahomes, you had the best defense in the league, or number two with the mm-hmm. with the Kansas City Chiefs. People act like that didn't happen. He got, I'm not saying he wasn't the Patrick Mahomes of old where he's just putting the team on his back. His defense and Steve Spagnola this offseason, look back at the points. That's how they won this year. Yes, he's great. He's the, the GOAT maybe. but the team matters almost as much as the quarterback. You're absolutely right. And that's why I don't understand the argument because everyone's like, oh, you got to take Caleb because you got to take the shot on the dynasty. Do people understand how hard dynasties are in sports? They are the hardest thing to do in sports is to have a dynasty. It happens once or maybe twice a decade, maybe and in, in across all sports. So to assume that, yeah, you, you just take Caleb and you're going to have a dynasty. What? I mean that it's it's negligent, and for Bears fans to assume, and, and I don't want to you know attack any Bears fans that want to take Caleb Williams, but it just this argument just doesn't make sense to me. To assume that it's a fast track to a dynasty if you take Caleb Williams is so wrong when you consider they don't have the Hall of Fame head coach, they don't yet have a Hall of Fame you know player on offense like the Chiefs do and Travis Kelsey. They don't have an offensive line that's continually good year after year after year, right? I mean it has to be the perfect situation. So you can't just assume that, well, the only way that we can ever win anything in the NFL is we have a quarterback that's better than the guy on the other side of the field. That's, that, is, that is not the case. That, that, it, it's, it's simply not the case. And the 49ers, up until the Super Bowl, were a testament to that. And Brock Purdy played well, but most people would probably take Justin Fields over Brock Purdy. Most people would think the, the 49ers would be a better team with Justin Fields on it. So that argument just it just irks me, Clay, because I don't think people understand. Like they throw around the word dynasty and they throw around the word generational and they throw around the word, you know, great so loosely as if it's an easy thing to do by just taking the quarterback a number one overall, yeah. when in reality it's a less than one percent chance. It's almost impossible to become a dynasty. And the player you might get in this draft is not going to be Patrick Mahomes because there may never be a quarterback like Patrick no, Mahomes. So can't say he's Patrick Mahomes, and then you look at Look at Trevor Lawrence, just the most recent guy. I think Trevor Lawrence still has a bright future. But Tre- what has Trevor Lawrence done in the league? I mean, you won a playoff game. He didn't make the playoffs this year, didn't make the playoffs his first year. And say, if you're the Bears, Trevor Lawrence is generational. Everybody mm-hmm. said it wasn't even a debate. All the Jaguars were taking Trevor Lawrence. So now, if you get Trevor Lawrence and you put him on the Bears, when you have an opportunity to keep Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr., a first next year, a first the following year, another second, and maybe even a player, something similar to last year, what do you do there? Bryce Young, first pick in an alternate universe. I remember Mike Tannenbaum slamming his fist on the table saying, I would take Bryce Young. In an alternate universe, <laughs> Bears take Bryce Young first. Yep. Alternate universe. You don't have Darnell Wright. You don't have DJ Moore. You don't have Tyree Stevenson. You don't have this year's first. You don't have the opportunity to do the things you, you have the opportunity to do right now. And you're stuck with Bryce Young. 
You're stuck with probably Byron Pringle, Equinemia St. Brown. You don't have these guys, Darnell Mooney, your receiver court. You don't have the defense in the parallel universe when they if they take Bryce Young. Now I think it's the same thing. If you if you trade this pick, and I think there's a path for Caleb, there's a chance he does become great. I see him more as Kyler Murray, solid quarterback. I'm a I'm a Kyler Murray fan as a Kyler Murray type quarterback who's a solid quarterback, get the job done. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he's a little bit better than Justin. I'm not sure. You know, if you can tailor an offense around him with Shane Waldron, guy is adaptable. He's done it before. Took Geno Smith from a, a guy that w- was nearing leaving the NFL to a Pro Bowl quarterback to a guy that was very efficient, led the NFL in completion percentage. Okay, so now, in my opinion, you have the opportunity to do that. I say you got to look at that. Yeah, you have to entertain it. I mean, I, I again, we don't know. You know, we've we've done QB one talk. You know, every for pretty much the whole twenty five minutes. We did a little combine stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just, for, I, I think people believe it's a foregone conclusion, and I just don't. I I, I just don't, and I don't think yeah. it happens soon. From everything we talked about with the combine and the meetings and and their diligence about you know finding out what kind of guy Caleb is and knowing that the guy that you have in the locker room right now is very likable and has all the intangibles that you would want out of Caleb Williams, and maybe he does have those things, but matters the pre pre pre-draft visits matter so for you to tell me without spending any time with this guy just off his tape and a guy that's as polarizing as him and obviously i'm not saying there's red flags but you've had people coming out of his camp saying he doesn't want to be in chicago you've had people in his camp saying he he, well he's not hiring he wants a piece of the team he gets drafted to you know this is just this is a big personality and you got to make sure this guy is the fit that you want in chicago but here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. We talked about one. What do you got the Bears doing at nine? Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? It depends what they do. So let's assume, are we assuming they take quarterback assuming at one? They take, they take Caleb Williams. I think it depends how it shakes out, but I think the goal is to take a wide receiver at nine. I think that has to be the goal. But this is where you, when you talk about combine things mattering, like this is where you might see an opportunity for neighbors to jump into that top nine. This is where you might see an opportunity if they struggle for Odunze to move down to nine. I think the goal has to be to get Rome Odunze, but I don't know if he gets there at nine. But this is a player to me that looks a heck of a lot like Jamar Chase. And that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high milestone to reach because Jamar Chase is the top three wide receiver in the NFL right now. But crisp route running can do just the way – what I saw when I watched him against Michigan, I think it was the Michigan game in the semifinal, um, just his ball tracking skills are elite. And it reminded me a lot of DJ Moore, right? Because DJ Moore's ball tracking skills are so underrated, and it's a really underrated aspect – four wide receivers because we look at such raw stats like vertical and 40-yard dash and route running, and we don't take in consideration how important ball tracking is. And you see that for guys like Baylor Jones Jr. who struggle in those areas, like that can absolutely tank your career. And you would know that um, from, you know, guys I'm sure you've been around who've struggled with that in the NFL. But that's his number one trait, and I think this dude is an absolute playmaker. And if you don't trade down and get a Marvin Harrison Jr. um, and you're taking quarterback at one, I think you have to pair – Caleb Williams with another young receiver in this draft and just give him more to his disposal because at this moment all you you have DJ Moore and some people might argue that the presence of DJ Moore is reason not to draft a wide receiver but you can never have too many and when you got a rookie quarterback and you want to win next year if you want to win next year and you bring in Romo Dunze and maybe even like a wide receiver three and Tyler Boyd in free agency. That's an offense where a guy like Caleb Williams or whoever it may be could come in and succeed immediately. So 
I think they're fine at offensive tackle. I don't think they would need to take Olu uh, Fashanu from Penn State. I don't think Joe Alt would even be available at nine. Yeah. But I don't think taking either of those guys would be justified because Braxton Jones has been good, not great. But I think you could find a better upgrade at a position group with Romo Dunze or Malik Neighbors at nine. So I think that's where they go unless I got to watch more tape on uh, Latu and Jared Verse. I don't know which one of those two you have to, uh, higher on your board, but if one yeah. of those two really pops here for me in the next couple months, I could definitely see them going edge as well. Or the Alabama kid. Um, uh, Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner. I think it, it, you look at those guys at the combine, you, more drills, but they're get off. You know, can they be explosive pass rushers? So in my opinion, absolutely. If wide receiver's gone, I would consider trading down, to be honest. Mm. And then you give yourself a chance. Brian Thomas Jr., underrated from LSU, I think. Yes. Lad McConkey saw him at the Senior Bowl. I know he's a shorter slot guy, but DJ Moore's outside. You get a slot guy like Lad McConkey, Troy Franklin. Um, I also like Keon Coleman. Yeah. And even further down, Xavier Leggett, our, our guy, Xavier Leggett, I loved at the Senior Bowl. So you trade down, you, you come up with maybe a second round pick. If you trade back, you look at the Bears, what they did. In 2021, they traded up to Fields. Okay, mm -hmm. they traded from from 20 to 11, right? So they gave up this year's first. They got they gave up next year's first, a second rounder or a fourth rounder this year, and a fifth rounder next year. So if the Bears could trade back, get a first next year, another fourth, and a fifth next year, and then you can still get one of these big time receivers, and then. A guy that we're not talking about that I really like. You get Lad McConkey, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas Jr., very underrated. You can still get a receiver if those receivers are gone. Because I think that's your biggest need. Or you go Jackson Powers Johnson. To me, I watch him at the Senior Bowl. I'm salivating. I go, if you put this guy in the Bears offensive line, only the real only hole is that center. You get me a franchise center to bring in with the, with mm -hmm. the quarterback. And I know some people are saying, do you want a rookie quarterback with a rookie center? I'm fine with that. Powers Johnson is, is a guy to play four years. He's a smart guy. They can figure out protections. Okay. You got a whole off season to do it. So Powers Johnson trade back, get McConkey a big time slot receiver. And then you have more capital this draft and you still have a first next year. If you don't get what you like at nine, don't force the pick trade back and get more capital. And you can still hit on one of these receivers or your franchise center which is something you should, you desperately need. You can see with the Eagles, what Jason Kelsey has been able to do. A franchise center, Matt, if you get a 10-year center, you're going to have a, a big-time offensive line, a guy like Powers Johnson that can pull, he can run power, he's good at zone, he's good against run, he's good against pass, he's the best center in the nation. To me, that would be a great pick, too. And you think he's a first-rounder, mid-20s? 20 to, to 30. And if a team – I know – the, the interior offensive linemen aren't valued as much, but I think their value has risen because people see, like you're looking at some of these teams, it matters. And then even Brock, Brock Bowers, you know, tight end isn't valued, but you could trade back. Some people are saying he goes as high as five to the chargers. I don't think so. Trade back. I like Bowers, depending on how, you know, you, you look at his stuff, you bring him in, you look at him. He's a weapon. This guy took handoffs. He was in the yeah. slot. He was outside. He's not a typical weapon. Now you can run two tight end sets. Your personnel groupings, a defense sees you going with two tight ends, maybe three tight ends. They think you're going to be in a in a compact type of uh, formation. No, Bowers can split out. Cole Komet can split out. Now you got multiple linebackers on the field 
trying to play in space, trying to guard these guys. And Bowers versus a linebacker is a mismatch. You could go to him every time. You saw what happened with Sam Laporta this year. And you look at the Super Bowl. Why, why are the two best tight ends in the NFL in the Super Bowl? Tight end mm-hmm. matters. You got Jason Kelsey, George Kittle. You take a step back from that. You got Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and you got and you got Sam Laporta. Tight ends matter. And I'm not just saying that because yeah, I'm a yeah, 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 yeah. I am, but that matters. <laughs> and I think Brock Bowers is should be looked at as a playmaker and not just a tight end. Yeah, and I'm thinking about it like, all right, so if you're talking about the Bears trading down from nine, my like the ideal scenario would be there's a team that wants like JJ McCarthy or something. Yes. Yep. And, and I don't know if he's good enough to go top 10, but the, these things happen, right? If he has a good combine, he'll he'll rise up the board because quarter, it's quarterback premium position. He's already quarterback. He played in that pro-style system. He played with Harbaugh, a quarterback. Gene Harbaugh called him the best uh, quarterback in Michigan, Michigan history. I think we know a couple of good Michigan quarterbacks, or at least one. So somebody's going to fall in love with McCarthy. Somebody could fall in love with Penix. Somebody could fall in love with Knicks. And they could not – and as many teams that need quarterbacks – from mm-hmm. that 10 to 15 to 20 yep. range to trade up, I think it's a perfect position because they're going to be willing. We need a quarterback. We don't we, we don't have a chance to get Kirk Cousins. We don't have a chance to get Baker Mayfield. After that, there ain't nobody else. Who are you going to bring in for your quarterback unless you trade for you know, Justin Fields? Yep. So I think it's a good position. This ninth pick, to me, is very intriguing because all these quarterback-needy teams – with not a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there that want to do something. So it's going to be interesting. Man, you, uh, yeah, Vikings at 11. If they don't keep Kirk Cousins, that's a team that needs a quarterback. Right after that, Broncos at 12. They obviously need a quarterback because they're not yeah, going to they you know, Yeah, they're not returning him after what happened with him and uh, and Sean Payton, you know, last year and the whole the Raiders that picking? was. 13. So they're right after the Broncos at 13. So you have a three-team run right there between 12 and uh, or 11 and 13. That now all need quarterbacks, and we'll and, and the great thing about that is you'll have each one of those teams bidding against each other because they're right next to each other to trade up to nine. So you can jack that price up. You'll be on the phone during those ten minutes while you're on the clock and say, "Hey, hey, hey, uh, hey, Denver, you know, Vegas is offering us, you know, a first rounder and a third. You better give us a first rounder and a second if you want JJ McCarthy. They could use that as leverage. It's a perfect spot yeah. to be in. Where are the Steelers? Where are the where, where are the Steelers at? You know, where the Steelers are the, uh, twenty. 20. I mean, maybe you don't want to go back that far, but still, you could probably get Powers Johnson, maybe Brian Thomas Jr. If, if he doesn't go early. I mean, there's a bunch of opportunities there at nine. Teams that need quarterbacks are going to start start sweating, hoping their guy fall. Okay, we got to go to nine. We got to see what we can do to get to nine. Bears got to take those calls. If your guy Odunze isn't there, if your guy Neighbors isn't there, if Olufashanu isn't there, if you really like Braxton, if your guy isn't there, don't force it. Trade back get more capital and less roll. And that's the great thing about a draft like this is when you have such a quarterback stack draft, guys are going to fall. Like there will be a great player available for you beyond nine. If five quarterbacks go in the top 15, it should that that's just do the math. That's how it's going to shake out. There's going to be one player who will be available at 14 or 15 and trade down. You're going to be like, Holy crap. I cannot believe we're getting this player at that, at that point. And that's just the luxury of having five, you know, NFL caliber quarterbacks that are going to go probably in the top 20 um, of this draft. And now I'm starting to get crazy with it thinking, what if we trade the first pick and trade from nine and you just like, you're just set up regardless. Like, that's something, and I know people are going to say, well, you don't know what next year's quarterback class is going to look like, whether it's Shadur Shanders or Arch Manning or Quinn Ewers or whatever it may be. But if you trade down, 
both you, you trade down from one to two or three, and then you trade down nine to 14 or 15, you'll have everything to your disposal if you want to make a decision next year. And we're not so, talking about just picks either. You can get players like DJ correct. Moore. Okay. DJ, you can get actual players in these scenarios, guys that are proven in the NFL that have shown they can do it in the NFL. That's how desperate teams are to get their guy right now. And you're in a good situation because you have a guy that you've, he's shown he can do it with minimal help, with not running the perfect system, not having a lot of weapons. And now that just gives you a lot of versatility. And for you not to explore that, I think that would be just, I mean, just not, not acceptable. I don't know how deep you've gotten into the court, like down past the top five guys in the quarterback um, and your quarterback scouting. But there's been, this is, I've kind of thrown this out in the past. Like if the Bears do trade the pick, I believe that they, or sorry, if they, yeah, if they do trade the pick and they keep Justin Fields, I believe they should still take a quarterback in round three or four and groom that guy, right? And just, you know, do what healthy organizations do regardless and groom a guy. I don't know if there's anybody you've been looking at beyond five. A name I kind of like as like a flyer that you can afford to use with a third or fourth rounder is Spencer Rattler because he's got some freak athletic ability. He obviously needs to be polished a little bit from a pocket standpoint and, you know, getting him in a building and letting him sit for a couple of years could be the right play, right? He's, uh, you know, reminds you a little of Dak Prescott when he came out and, you know, I believe Dak was a fourth rounder. I mean, he might've been a third rounder, um, but sort of that idea, is there anybody that would jump out to you if they traded that pick that you would like them to take maybe in rounds three or four? Or do you think that's just a dumb idea? Like if you're going to trade it, just keep fields and don't even worry about that. You know, what I liked from um, the senior bowl was Michael Pratt and Spencer Rattler did stand out to me. Um, Sam Hartman is obviously he's older. He's a redshirt senior, the the the, the Notre Dame guy. Yeah. But I mean, you you bring a guy like that, and he's a guy that hey, you could develop him. I think he's he's pretty ready. He's older, but Michael Pratt from Tulane, hmm. Joe Milton would be a project. I he, he's super athletic, he's got a huge arm, but you could stash him there and say, hey, we're gonna let this guy sit. And you look, Ian Cunningham was the assistant director of player personnel when the the, the Eagles had Carson Wentz and they took mm-hmm. Dale Hurts in the second round. So I think mm-hmm. that's something that's on the board. You look at when the Kansas City Chiefs had Alex Smith and they traded up and drafted um, Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Guess who's the director of college scouting on the Kansas City Chiefs? Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles. So to me, none of that's off the table. And I think these guys are open to that. And I'm hoping they don't just say, hey, you know, we're going to just we're not going to think about it. We're not going to look into it. We're just going to take Caleb because I think there's a lot of options to explore. Yeah, 100 percent. It's an exciting time in that draft season. Before we head out, uh, we got free agency in a couple of weeks. That's coming up. Uh, I just want to get some of your top guys in free agency and specifically one guy, since I know you're super you know, big on the Jaguars for, you know, since you've been playing with them and or you played for them. And I know you do a lot of stuff on the Jaguars. And I know one of the top, you know, targets on a lot of Bears fans list is Calvin Ridley, right? If you, if you are going to take Caleb Williams and you may be not lucky enough to get Romo Dunze and Malik neighbors in the draft. And of course you won't know that till after free agency, but if you're worried about that potential scenario and you need an upgrade, you need an upgraded wide receiver, regardless this offseason. it has to happen. Darren Mooney's going to walk away. You have to get a second guy next to DJ Moore. And Calvin Ridley, to me, is still one of the better route runners in the NFL. 
but I didn't watch enough Jaguars games last year, Clay, to know why his production wasn't as consistent as it should have been. He had a ton of games where he had 100-plus yards and a couple touchdowns, and he just exploded. But that consistency wasn't there. And trust me, I would know if he was on my fantasy team, and he was screwing me over some weeks. So from what you watched from Jacksonville, is Calvin Ridley still that guy, still that top 15 guy we saw in Atlanta? What contributed to him being a little inconsistent last year? And is he a target you think the Bears should go after in free agency? I think he is, and he didn't have the year I wanted him to last year. He dropped a lot of balls. Him and Trevor weren't on the same page, but I think that could lower the price um, a little bit for, for Calvin Ridley, which is which is good. But the reason I like Calvin Ridley, I was out there for training camp. Jaguars do a good job of bringing back some of their former players. I saw him in training camp. I, I saw a couple practices. This dude is all football. This dude is a worker. He's on the field early. He's on the field late. He's, pra- he's, he's getting extra routes in. And guys like that, I'm going to bet on. I'm a betting a guy just because of his personality. And he came back at a whole year off, a year and a half off. So it wasn't what you wanted. But I think you give this guy another year. Okay. He was back playing the full year. And now this is a guy that is all football. You've seen him do it before. He could turn into that Atlanta Falcon guy, especially when you got a guy like DJ Moore opposite of him. And last year, Christian Kirk was out for a lot of the years. Zay Jones was hurt. Didn't have a lot of weapons besides Calvin Ridley. So if you pair him with DJ Moore, I think you see big things. Another thing, I'm not sure you'll get past the um, the franchise tag, but Josh Allen, their defensive end, edge rusher, talking about Jacksonville. He's a free agent this year, but I think they'll franchise tag him. But if they don't, if Trent Baalke says, hey, we're not willing to pay that for Josh Allen, the guy had 16, 17 sacks last year, and he's just a, a butt kicker, okay? He's a guy that I would love to see on this team as well. And then, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. I'm not sure he leaves Indy, but if he does, you know, he's a guy that I think has been underrated. I think maybe because he's just been out in Indy and they haven't been great, but he's catching balls from Gardner Minshew last year. You know, they don't Alec Pierce. They didn't have much else besides him. If you pair him with DJ Moore, big, tall, Michael Pittman Jr. I think, wow. Okay. That opens up things. You get him in free agency. Now you don't have to worry about that wide receiver. You can maybe trade back, get that Jackson powers, Johnson, get an offensive tackle, or maybe just load up on edge there in the draft as well. So there's a lot of opportunities there if you sign one of these big-time receivers in free agency. And the Bears have the fourth most cap space in the NFL following the releases of Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair. Hate to see those guys go. Contributors to the 2018 team and great veterans, great locker room guys. But obvious cap casualties, just not playing at the at the caliber that they're used to. Um, so they got money to spend, man. And there are some names on this list as well. Outside of wide receiver, you got Trent Brown. You mentioned, you know, Josh Allen. We'll have to see who gets beyond uh, the franchise tag. But Antoine Winfield Jr., Brian Burns, Daniel yeah. Hunter. The Bears oh, yeah. have an opportunity to create a very, very good football team. So any other names, any other names you want to throw out uh, in free agency um, before yeah, we got here? I got a little list here that I, that I wrote right. down. I'm going to send you some names right here. Um, all right. So draft, I think a guy you could get maybe in the second round would be Tyler Guyton, a guy I really okay. likes in the senior bowl. I talked about him. Powers Johnson, obviously. Lay it to This is obviously draft, but 23 and a half sacks over the past two seasons. We talked about Brock Bowers, but going into my free agency list, obviously Chris Jones is there. If he if he's going to take a lot of money, but you have a lot of money, you could pay Chris Jones and bring him in. I think he's a guy. Obviously, T. Higgins, uh, Brian Burns, Michael Pittman Jr., Daniel Hunter, Calvin Ridley, Chase Young. I think Chase Young. Didn't have a great year with the 49ers, but he's a guy that still has a ton of upside. You pair him with his old running mate, Montez Sweat. I think that's something nobody's talking about. Um, Connor mm. Williams, the center from Miami. 
Xavier McKinney, you need a safety now. If you bring in Xavier McKinney, I think he could do a good job. And then we have uh, like Noah Font, just a tight end that played with Shane Waldron, a guy that's never really reached his full potential. You could probably get him on a deal. If you don't go tight end in the draft, you pair him with Komet, he'll probably do a better job than Robert Tunyon did. And you can still get him on a, a good deal. And another guy I like in the draft is right guard. He could probably get in the third round. Keep 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 up with this name. His name's Christian Haynes from UConn. He can play right guard or left guard. I really like him. And then my late round um, tight end that I'm in love with is Ben Sinnott. He's a tight end age back. I think you can get him in the fourth round from Kansas State. Fell in love with this guy at the Senior Bowl. Came back, watched his film. I mean, I think he is one of the steals of the entire draft. Ben Sinnott. Wow. Ben Sinnott, steal the entire draft. 6'4", 247. Um, wow. Yeah. Hey, I and you know now that you're saying some of these names, I think Noah Fan is going to be a Chicago Bear. I think that, that, that makes too much I mean, sense. Walton, yeah, I mean it does make a ton of sense. And when's the last time the Bears have had a good two tight end system? Like they've tried it. Mark they haven't had it. Zach Miller. You know, I mean, what are we talking yeah. here? Yeah, I mean, like they. I think that it's underrated to get that two tight end set. Obviously, everybody's talking about Brock Bowers, but in my opinion. And don't don't kill me for saying this, but Ben Sinnott isn't far off. And I I'll 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 send you my wow. tweet last year when everybody's talking about Dalton Kincaid, everybody's talking about Michael Mayer. You know, I said who my number one tight end was? Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta. I said, yo, Sam Laporta. I'll send you my stuff from Rashi Rice. And Rashi Rice is a mid-round target the Bears should get. Guy can catch the ball and, and he has a big year to help the Kansas City Chiefs win. Um Puka Nakua is another guy I love from the senior bowl. I mean, the, there are guys out there that the Bears could find in later rounds. They just got to do a better job of drafting late. With that Valus Jones and Tyler Scott pick, I mean, I also oh. wrote down some guys that were taken after those two. And, I mean, to me, it was I was I was getting sick, right? So you got after Tyler Scott was drafted, Dontavian Wicks, 39 oh. catches, 591 yards. After – Tyler Scott, Puka Nakua, we are we all know what he did. Parker Washington, Trey Palmer, 39 catches. A.T. Perry, four t- TDs. Demario Davis, 49 catches. Okay, there was a number of guys. And then Vales Jones, Romeo Dubs, 11 touchdowns, taking after Vales Jones. Holes does a great job in the trenches. He's got to do a better job of scouting wide receiver. Hey, I mean, that contributed – so much to Justin Fields' ineptitude his first year was like, dude, that was supposed Vegas Jones Jr. was supposed to be the guy you were gonna pair with him and be his guy for the first couple. Like, that was your plan. Like, go on. Around when he everybody had him in like the fifth or sixth. Oh wild. It was wild. And that's why it's like, all right, you know, you have you have it so easy now if you wanted to just trade down and take like you can't miss on Marvin Harrison Jr. No. You can't miss on him. If you want, if you're worried about scouting that position, just take the guy who you can't miss on, who will be a top 10 wide receiver in NFL history. Like I can tell you, I believe that that is his ceiling. He is that good. Um, and I think he's going to tear it up at the combine because I've played basketball with this dude. He will run a four, three, eight, and he'll jump 43 inches. And people will be like, holy shit. This guy is a freak. We got to take him trade that pick. That I love it. Happen. Uh, love Clay, my man, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you are the goods, breaking down everything with the combine, QB1, uh, and free agency, and some more draft things. You are uh, you nailed it on the tight end. And hey, if the Bears need another one, I mean, this dude still got it, man. Hey man this I'm dude right here is still, he, he, 
he, he, he stays getting up there, stays dunking, stays getting fit. So Wait, uh, Shane Waldron makes it right now. I'll show you, man. Oh God! Play. All right, that's uh, that's it. We don't we don't need to. <laughs> Uh, terms of service that we can have that on here. No, it's good. Um, if you guys do want to see that, there's plenty of that content on his Instagram. Uh, if you want to see Clay Harbor with his shirt up, it's just Clay Harbor on IG, right? You got no numbers. Yeah, just or Clay Harbor 82 on IG and Twitter. Shoot your boy a follow. We'll talk bears. We'll talk fitness. We'll talk it all. Yes, sir. All right, Clay. Appreciate you, my man. We got to get you on again, but uh, always a good time, man. Take care. My pleasure.